This is Mo H., recovered compulsive overeater sugar addict from Walnut Creek, California. I've been over to that meeting a few times in the past before COVID. So glad to be with you again tonight. Uh, I'm not going to start at the beginning. Some of you have heard my story, but this year, uh, along with COVID, had a, an impact on me in a way that I have never felt. My husband passed away in August of 2020, and my life has been topsy-turvy ever since. And without program, I don't think I could have gotten through some of the difficulties that I've gotten through sanely. I was out of my mind a couple of times, and I uh, went and did my 10th step which I'll talk a little bit about in my share. So I just wanted to give you that that's what I have been going through for the past seven months of just sheer, um, uh, my sponsor calls it, it's like drinking water from a fire hose that the information is coming at me so fast, I can't swallow it. Uh, and the latest was doing income taxes, which I have never done in my life. I had helped him. He had taught me how to do the budget and do the finances and all that. But I did not like the income taxes because they were too detailed and too complicated. And he loved it. So I let him do them. Well, I really had to learn the hard way uh, over the past almost two months. But I'm ready to turn them in. They're going in tomorrow. Yes. Okay. So that's enough about what's gone on, uh, my disease. Uh, I think it began when I was 13, 14. My, uh, I was a dancer from age three to about 23. Um, my brother and I were dancers. Uh, we did kind of like did USO tours and that kind of thing. Um, but when I was 13, my father was transferred from Washington, D.C. to San Francisco. And so the whole family moved. And of course, in those days, we didn't talk about feelings or anything about what it was like, but it was traumatic for all of us. And one of the things that um, comforted me was food. I always enjoyed uh, my desserts because back in the day, we always had dessert with dinner. And I always enjoyed mine and I always wanted the more, but didn't get it. But anyway, so the transfer, I so I and then going to a new school. I didn't know anybody. I, I was really lonely and I really missed my friends and my relatives that all lived back in Maryland and uh, New York. And so I just started down the path of comforting myself with food and not talking about it. I didn't gain a lot of weight because I was dancing and um, the weight didn't come on until I went away to college and the dancing stopped at that point. And when I went away to college, I just ate anything and everything that was anywhere. And, uh, you know, we had a cafeteria and it was all not healthy food. So I came home after the first year of college and I was 50 pounds heavier than when I went. And my mother was beside herself because pride was a very big thing for her. And so then starts the yo-yo dieting. 
and I have been on many, many diets. I've lost the weight. I can diet. I think part of a lot of us in the, these rooms is we can diet, but what do we do when, you know, we're tempted or what do we do when uh, we get to whatever it is, a healthy body weight. And I would just go back to eating the way I was eating, you know, and that's <laughs> not going to get me anything. So um, I, I married my husband in 1967. So we had a good long marriage, 53 years, and um, we have five children. And that kept me busy, but also eating, eating quite a bit. I gained weight with each birth. And I would lose some and then I gained some more. And then it was just constant yo-yo dieting, constant. And it was always on my mind, enough to, to drive me crazy. So many years later, I was in therapy. And I remember after many years of therapy, I told the therapist because I had been on Weight Watchers, I had lost the weight, then I was gaining it back. And I said to her, I think I have a problem with food. And she said, well... I'm going to find you a good OA meeting. And I had, she had sent me to Al-Anon because uh, some of my family members were alcoholics and uh, she had sent me to CODA and, and uh, or, yeah, CODA, I think it was. Anyway, I said, oh God, another meeting. But anyway, I went. And so that was in 1989. So my first introduction to OA was in 1989. And I was in regular OA until 1992. I don't remember much about those days, uh, except I went to meetings and I enjoyed the meetings and I enjoyed the social time, but I don't remember working hard in the program. Um, I did get a sponsor and I did do whatever she told me to do. But uh, in 92, a friend of mine who was also in the rooms discovered how, which is it's just an offshoot of OA. And to me, it's just all the differences is it has a food plan. We're all working toward the same thing is to have mental, mental stability and physical uh, abstinence. So I did go to Howe in 92 and I was there for four years. I lost all my weight, which was between 60 and 65 pounds. And my best friend and my father died within months of each other. And the day my best friend died, she was only in her 50s, I picked up sugar and I could not stop. But I didn't understand it. But so for four years, I went out, gained all the weight back and I came in back in 2000. So I have not left the room since 2000. I have had many ups and downs uh, in those years, many. Um, good years of, 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 of losing weight and then and other times of, of uh, being in the food, being in the disease. Until about five years ago, as of last Saturday, I have five years of solid abstinence and neutrality, not only around the food, but around my emotional state. And remembering what I told you at the beginning that I lost my husband, that could have sent me right to comfort. And some people have asked me, how did you stay abstinent? And I said, I, I just committed to myself that I did not want to go back to that way of life that is torturous, which would make this, the grieving part of this piece of my life even worse. So 
um, that I just did. I, I had to give up some service because, you know, just family commitments and stuff. But I, I am back doing service. I, I mean, I couldn't, couldn't even do these speaking things. So what I want to tell you what happened to me in 2015, um, 2013, I was asked to be on the Region 2 board and I was voted in as the events coordinator. And uh, uh, Jeremiah knows that it's work. It's a lot of work. And uh, that, that person was booking hotels. I guess that's not happening right now, but that person was booking hotels and that's a, quite a job because the hotels do not understand our food plan and they don't make money off of us because we don't drink and we don't eat dessert. And that's where they get a lot of their money. And so to make the food and beverage minimum was really hard. So I was kind of stressed doing that job, but I was white knuckling my abstinence because if I had to uh, step down, if I lost my abstinence, I'd have to step down. And I had a little bit of ego with that, a little bit of pride. I didn't want to step down and let everybody know that, you know, I. I'm a bad person, which I know I'm not. I now know I have a disease. So I started after that job was over, which was in October of 2015. I, I picked up sugar that I hadn't had in five years prior. And the day I did that, I couldn't stop. And I, but I knew what I was doing. And I still couldn't stop. I couldn't stop from starting. And once I started, I couldn't stop. And it went on for two and a half months through Christmas. And I gained 25 pounds. And I remember calling this person up in our rooms. I have no clue why I called her to, to this day, why I picked her. And I said to her, I said, I can't stop, but I know what I'm doing. I've been in the rooms long enough. I know what I'm doing. And I and so she said, well, she asked me a couple of questions. Are you desperate? You know, are you done yet? And are you willing to go to any length to get recovery? And I said, yes. And she said, well, I want to I, I wanna work the 12 steps with you through the big book. She had a method of doing it through the big book, which I have right here. because I just had a meeting and we studied the big book at this one particular meeting. Let me see. Can you see that? Yeah, there you go for the newcomer, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So I said, okay, and I did whatever she said. Well, I was blown away by what I was learning by studying the big book. So here's some of the things that I learned. So it, it, is, it is in the doctor's opinion on page XXVIII. So I think that's 28. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. I like the effect produced by the food, but I don't like what the rest of it does to me, which it makes me crazy and it makes me restless, irritable and discontent. And there are four truths about this killer disease that it is permanent, it is progressive, it is patient, and it is fatal. Those are four truths about it. There's nothing, I can tell you it's a progressive disease because when I picked up in 2015, it wasn't way back when, I was already worse in 2015 than I was in 2013. 
So, um, and then um, patient, oh, it waits. It waits until I have a weak moment. And they could have gotten me around my husband's death because I found him in the morning. I had already had breakfast and gone out on a run. I came back and I found him. And then my couple of my kids came over. And then all of a sudden it was one o'clock and my son said, mom, you need to eat. And I said, oh, I don't feel like eating. And he said, do you have any leftovers? And luckily, by God's grace, I had leftovers from dinner. And I said, yes, I do. And he, he said, well, I'll eat them up. And it was my abstinent lunch. I didn't feel like eating, but he encouraged me to eat. So that's uh, the, uh, it's patient. And then the other thing is, uh, it's very patient, it's progressive, it's insane, and it's uh, also fatal. And we know that it kills. We know that it kills. So, um, so it's a two-step program. First, you have to put down the food. And I ask my sponsees to get three days of abstinence before I'll start working with them. Why? Because everywhere in the big book, it says they dried out those men. They took them into the house or they took them to the basement or whatever, took them to the hospital. They dried them out. Why? Because I can't study the steps when I'm, when I'm in the disease because I'm in a fog. How can I learn or grasp what the steps mean when I'm in the fog? So I asked them to do that. And then we got to work the steps to get to the spiritual solution which is what is really important. So now the big book, the main purpose of the big book is to, um, to help us develop a power greater than ourselves or to help us find a power. And I, when I first came into the rooms, I'm, I'm a Catholic and you know I had the God and I, I saw steps two and three and I went, I got that one down. You know, I don't need to, to do anything more on that. Well, that wasn't the truth because that particular God that I had in my childhood was not working. You know, I would beg that God to, you know, help me stop eating, but I wouldn't do anything about it. My, the current God that I'm using now is one that I ask every morning, please guide me. Please show me your will for me today. Your will and my will together will I'll accomplish something. All right, so what is the problem? Of course, the problem we all know is step one, we're powerless over the food, but I'm also powerless over the mental. So it's a twofold disease. It's physical, I have a physical abnormal, uh, uh, and I have a mental obsession. And I think that was the part for all those years I was in the program, that I didn't either didn't listen or I didn't hear or any something about the mental part of the disease. That's the part that I don't pick up first. That's not the first thing I do. I start, something starts going on in my head and then I start thinking about it more and more and more and more. And then some, it just, uh, uh, I am presented with a food that I haven't had in a long time and I'm in that state and I just grab it. And it's like, how did that happen? You know, so. 15 minutes. 
Okay, that's mean I've done 15, I got 10 more. Yep. Okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so, you know, it's like what sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic who repeats time after time the desperate experiment of the first drink? That's on page 35 and more about alcoholism. Uh, so, you know, what kind of thinking? And all the stories in the back of the big book are about the thinking that goes on that precedes that fight. And whenever ever I have a sponsee that slips, I say, you know, what was going on for you earlier today or yesterday or last week or last month that you didn't deal with? The main problem for me is, and I've heard this said, is not, is not the food once the food's down, is the buildup of everyday emotions that I don't deal with. And so in dealing with the death, there was a lot of emotions, a lot of emotional stuff. Plus, I was trying to be supportive of my children as they were trying to be supportive of me. And is the buildup of those emotions. And one of the things I love to do with all my talks is I talk about the 10th step. So you need to do one, two, and three, you know, admit your powerlessness and then find a higher power that works for you and then lean on that, lean on that higher power and then work four through nine, get through them till you get to 10 and do four through nine in order. They're done. They're given that way for a purpose. But then we get to 10. Now, what is 10 about? 10 said, uh, uh, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. So it says continued. And what does continue mean? It means, it doesn't mean maintain. We don't maintain. Continue means keep going forward. What is going on? So here's, so I say, let's practice the 10th step. It's on page 84 in the big book, and it's all right there. So what, so here we go. I said the buildup of everyday emotions. Okay, so what's going on? So for me, I'll, I'll give you an example. My husband worked at UC Berkeley and he worked there 31 years. He had good pension. And then we have to tell them that he passed. And the first thing they say to me is, well, your, your medical insurance is ending in December. And I went, this was August. I went, what? And then they said, and you're not getting his pension. And I was like, out of whack, just crazy. And so it was phone call after phone call and waiting on hold. COVID has increased the length of hold you do on the phone. I mean, I can be the hundred person in line. But so here it is. So I'm irritated at Berkeley because they made those statements to me. And didn't, didn't, and I didn't think to ask, what do you mean by that? And so here we go. That's the source of my irritation. The causes and conditions are uh, that they, they didn't come forward with answers for me. I had to go digging for them. So it starts out, where am I being selfish? So of course, selfish is about the story I tell myself in my head about how you should behave, be behaving. Or selfish is about the story, how other people should act. And so my, my selfishness is, well, I want them 
to say, yes, you're not getting his pension. You have to reapply and you will get the survivor benefits. We will send you the paperwork. No, they didn't say that. Uh, and then the whole thing on the medical, I won't even go in there. So that's the selfish piece that I want them to be forthcoming or to be nice and kind to a widow. And uh, I, I didn't feel that. And then, so I it's a prayer. Please, God, remove my selfishness. Dishonest. So dishonest is what it says. I'm either telling a lie or I'm not telling the truth. But it's also not accepting the situation as it is. I'm fighting against it or not trusting God with this complication. So that's my dishonesty. So please, God, remove my dishonesty. Resentful? Well, I'm resentful at UC Berkeley because they made life very difficult for me. And that's just one instance. I, I am still dealing with them. What is it now? March, seven months. Uh, so resentful at UC Berkeley. Uh, please, God, say God, save me from from uh, God, save me from being angry. Thy will not mine be done. Berkeley, the institution, is spiritually sick. Help me show it the same tolerance, pity, and patience. I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. How can I be service? How can I be helpful? And sometimes when I answer that question, I get my answer. I get my answer. So how can I be of service? And it, it isn't to Berkeley, it's to me. So my service to me is, okay, I didn't understand them. I need to write notes and I'm gonna call them back and ask them these questions. That's how I can be of service to me. I'm the one that needs the answers. And then the last character defect is fear. And what is my fear? So we have three fears, the fear of losing something we have, the fear of not getting something we want. So one is past, one is future. And the fear of being found out. That one's not in the big book. I think that's from a big book, AA Thumper, the fear of being found out. So what is my fear? Well, my fear is not getting what I want. I want my husband's pension or survivor's income and I want to have my health benefits continue and so so it's please God remove my fear this is the fear prayer and direct my attention to what you would have me be and what would God have me be and I would tell people it's an adjective it's not a what would God have me do God would have me be patient persistent uh, understanding and trusting in my higher power. Two minutes. And then, okay, I'm almost. And then I ask God to remove all those character defects. Or for you know, right now, help ask ask Him, please remove all these character defects. And I assume you will. And then I give this to somebody. That's like a fifth step. I give it to somebody. And then when I'm done, I make a 12-step call. It's not finished until I make an outreach call and I don't talk about Berkeley at all to them. I say, how are you doing? What step are you on? What promises come true? Uh, you know, what miracle in your life? So that's how I work my program today to keep me neutral with the feelings and the food just follows. That's just a given. I don't, e I don't even 
think about food anymore. So that's how I work my program and I'm glad to be here with you. I'll pass. Thank you.